Good evening, church. And glory to God. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's what our clothing drive was. It was an opportunity to give glory to God, right? And all of you showed up and you helped and there's so much work going on. And it's so, what a blessing to see brethren work together in the Lord. What a, what a blessing it was to be able to watch us work amongst the community, spreading the seed of Jesus and giving all glory to God. Thank you for your, your help with that. Thank God for that wonderful opportunity and the many opportunities to come for us throughout this year ending in the year to come. Let's, uh, let's go to God in a word of prayer, please. Our great God, our great King, our Master, thank you for allowing us to be your servants, to be your slaves, to be your children. And yet that word Master and Slave used in a relationship with you is so uniquely different than anything we ever could understand. Well, God, for you are full of love and compassion you've served us and you've sent your son and Jesus came to seek and save the lost and he served instead of being what we understand a master to be. Help us to be like Jesus. Help us to serve you. Help us to conform our will to your will, that your will be done in our lives. As we worship you, Lord God, we pray that you'll bless our worship to be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray and thank thee if it be thy will. Amen. John chapter 1. So, John the Baptist. John the Baptist. We're going to move through tonight so that we can uh, end this and go on to another, another lesson. Not to, not to say that it's not important, but John was sent to prepare a nation to receive Jesus. And I want you to think about what if John was sent to us? What if it were in our day and our time that John was sent? Let's look at verse 9. What did they think of Jesus in that day? Verse 9, there was the true light, which comes into the world, enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were of his own did not receive him. What if Jesus were on, on the news today, and he came to proclaim the message of God? It wouldn't work. I mean, it just would not work. It didn't work then. It didn't work in that day. It would not work today. Brother, we are... We have a great mission ahead of us, but, but God is with us. Let me talk to you about, for just for a moment, John came to preach to a people who, though the way, we're going to John 20, though the way was prepared for Jesus, the hearts of so many people were so hardened that they were not willing to receive him. And then what's amazing about Jesus, and, and back in that day, and then Jesus today. So today in our service, we're preaching a message of God based on history, historical facts and evidence. They were pre- preaching the message of God with miracles that confirmed the truth of the message of God and they still didn't listen. Wow. Right? I mean, think about that for a moment. Wow. Right? John 20, verse 30. Many other signs, therefore, Jesus also performed in the presence of of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these have been written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So we have recorded only what's necessary for our day and all time to convert people to Jesus, to be believers in Christ. John 10. But he did so much more in their day. John 10, verse 37. 
Jesus himself says, if I do not do the works, if I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. So here Jesus is, okay, he's talking about belief. Look, I'm doing these miracles, undeniable miracles, right in front of you. And you still don't believe? Something wrong with us. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, we're reading the recorded message. John, John is preaching to a people who wouldn't believe it if you showed it to them. John 21. And so that's why our message sometimes that we declare to a lost and dying world, it may, it may seem like they're just not receptive, but well, that's kind of what it is. Not everyone's going to conform to Jesus, but allow the miracles of Jesus and the message of God to resonate in our hearts and strengthen our walk of faith, individually and independently, regardless of what the world believes or does. The Bible tells us in verse 25, John 21, and there are also so many other things Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, how many of us believe this? How many of you believe this verse? That Jesus did so much in 33 years, right? Of course, it's a baby, so you don't count those except for the fulfillment of the prophecy. Uh, that would be Mary and, and Joseph. He did so much in his ministry in three years. And then however many years of life, if you will, where he was uh, cognizant and able to communicate with people, etc., etc. I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books which were written. How many of us believe that? That God did that much just in that short span of time. And if you believe that, how much has God done in your own personal life that you don't even recognize today? Right? We, don't even, we don't even see. I'll tell you something we don't see. Let's go to John chapter 8. We don't see when we wake up in the morning, or God wakes us up, allows us, to arise from our beds of slumber. What we do not know about is, while the spiritual battle goes on, how many traps Satan has laid for us today that God removed before we awoke, uh, arisen from our bed. How many of them? I don't know. But you know Satan was after you today, right? But God was removing stuff to protect you and guide you and guard you. And I wonder, maybe that's going to take eternity. For him to show me everything about me. <laughs> All the things he did for us. People are being lost and will continue to die lost just simply from one word. And that's belief. Right? He says in John 8, 24. I said therefore to you that you shall die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. How's my faith? Right? How is my faith? John chapter 1. The message of God is clear. And John came to prepare the way for Jesus. Verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. Glory as the only begotten from the Father. Full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I. For he existed before me. And so the confusion begins. How could Jesus exist before John when he was born after John? Right? 
So the message was clear. There's something special about Jesus. Verse 16. Uh, for of his fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him. So our message. John comes out in John chapter 1. And he begins to proclaim to the world that this man whom you're looking at. And I want you to think about this. I don't, I don't have the answer. So I want to kind of just let you think about it. Maybe you can give me the answer uh, later or sometime at some point. The message is kind of, it's straight, it's straightforward, but it's kind of confusing too, right? Because the, the part I'm talking about is John knows Jesus. John doesn't really know Jesus. Let me, let me show you what I'm talking about. Verse 29. And this is the witness of John. Excuse me, 29. The next day, he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes one, a man who is a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. And I did not recognize him, but in order that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. And John bore witness, saying, I have beheld the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. And I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And I've seen, and I've borne witness that this is the Son of God. And so, he says, okay, I, see, that's Jesus, my, he's my cousin, right? And he's the one that God's talking about. But it wasn't until I saw the Spirit descending that told me for sure, this is the Christ. But it's interesting, because in, in, in the same thought, turn to Luke chapter 3 for just a moment. Luke chapter 3, and let's begin at verse 21 and listen to what goes on at the baptism of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 3 and verse 21. Now it came about when all the people were baptized that Jesus also was baptized, and while he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice out of heaven, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. And so here's the confirmation to John, that Jesus is the Messiah whom he's speaking of. And it happens when Jesus is baptized. Turn back to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. All of this during the baptism of Jesus Christ, the Spirit uh, appears in the bodily form, if you will, in the appearance like a dove. But then in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13, then Jesus arrived, John's preaching, from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? So here John, on one hand, says, no, Jesus, wait, I, now he's in the middle, right? I know who Jesus is, but, but at other times he says, wait, wait, no, you need to baptize me because I'm not worthy, because you are the Christ. But later we're going to read where he says, are you the Christ? But he had the confirmation given to him at the baptism of Jesus Christ. And so what, a, what an amazing 
saga, if you will, and, and understanding who John and how, how Jesus interacted with him and the work of God with John the Baptist and the message of God through John the Baptist. Verse 14, but John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? So John was hesitant to baptize John or Jesus, yet the Father said, He on whom the Spirit descends, that's He. That's the one. Well, John says, Look, this I He's Jesus, but I can't baptize Jesus because He's Jesus. But if I baptize Jesus, I'll get a confirmation from God that that's Jesus. But I already you see how confusing it kind of is? Right? If the confirmation is going to come through the baptism, why would you try to prevent him? Well, because he kind of already knew. Something different. This is what I want you to think about. When Jesus was on the scene and living his life, this is what I want us to get. He was different. He wasn't ordinary. That's what I want us to get. How ordinary are we? Right? The confirmation hasn't happened yet. And yet John says, no, I'm sure that has got to be Jesus. I'm not worthy to baptize you. But the confirmation, John, is not, going, or is not going to come until you baptize him. I'm pretty sure that's the Christ. I'm almost positive that's the Messiah. In fact, I'm so positive that I know I'm not worthy to baptize him. He was uniquely different from the world. He stood out. And then Jesus says to John in verse, verse 15, but Jesus answered, said to him, Permit it at this time for, in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. Now, now realize something. Why was John baptizing? For repentance. Repentance. What did he know about Jesus? He has nothing to repent of. <laughs> Why are you getting baptized? The view of the kingdom to come? You... We know you're already in the kingdom. We already know you're connected to God. There's no question in my mind. But there'll come a question later. There'll become one that arises in his mind that he has wrestled with while being incarcerated in prison before his death. We'll come to that in just a moment. Turn to John, please. John uh, chapter, chapter 1. So Jesus is now made full, if you will, uh, all people know who Jesus, the Messiah, is. He's made known to the world. In John 1, in verse 32, the Bible says, And John bore witness, saying, I have beheld the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. And I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And I have seen him and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. There's no question in my mind. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, please, beginning at verse 12. And so Jesus goes out and begins to proclaim pretty much the same message as John, the unity in the beginning of Jesus' message, beginning of verse 12, 
Now when he heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, came and settled at Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This is fulfilled what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea of, uh, excuse me, beyond the Jordan, Galilee, and of the Gentiles, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. This is that Jesus, right? Jesus showed up. And you're like, that's Jesus. And to those who were sitting in the land in shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. And from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. His message is, is the message that John has been proclaiming, that now is the time, today is the day. <laughs> wow. Matthew chapter 11. All the prophecies of the Old Testament are now being fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And in Matthew 11, beginning at verse 1, comes this, this, this question, this, this challenge. It's like, okay, so now it's all set. It's done. John has done his job, and, and now the Messiah is doing his job. And Listen to verse 1. And it came about that when Jesus had finished giving instructions to his 12 disciples, he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John in prison heard the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the expected one, or shall we look for someone else? What does that passage mean? Right? See, he has this confirmation. He already knew and then he really knew because of the, the spirit, the dove, is in prison. Is, it, is this just trying to humanize John for us? Say, so, you know, John, when he was looking at his own death and his own trials and struggles, and he he began to doubt. Right? Is he just humanizing John for us? I, I don't know the answer. I don't know. I really don't. I don't have a clue. But Jesus sends back word, if you will, the utterances of the prophetic message. He says in verse 4, And Jesus answered and said to him, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor of the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who keeps from stumbling over me. And that was all it took. John stands face to face at his death because he wasn't afraid to preach the gospel. Luke chapter 3. As he's preaching and teaching, many are excited about what he has to say. And some are questioning what he has to say. And they're all like, they just, they just want to know because he's so intriguing. And whatever he's saying as he's speaking of prophetic messages and utterances and he's in his own dispensation of time and he's, he's not preaching the law of Moses. He's saying, no, you got to repent and turn to Jesus. And then Jesus and his disciples begin baptizing more than John. And John's decreasing in, if you want to call it power, John is decreasing and Jesus is increasing. And that was John's whole message, his whole point. 
by the divine inspiration and guidance of, of God. And John has to go and preach to Herod. He sees something that needs to change. Herod the Great, the one who slaughtered the babies, the children, the evil man who now wants, has, his, has his sight set on John, but not, not by his own will, but rather the fulfillment and desire of the will of someone else. See, Herod wanted to know what Jesus had to say. In fact, Herod wanted to know what Jesus had to say. He was, when Jesus was sent to Herod, and Jesus didn't utter a word. In Luke chapter 3, if you will, in verse 16, John answered and said to them all, As for me, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is mightier than I, I, and I am not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And his willowing fork is in his hand and to thoroughly clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into the barn or his barn. And he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations also, he preached the gospel to the people. But when Herod the Tetrarch was reproved, by him. Wow, that's nice, right? On account of Herodias, his brother's wife, and on account of all the wicked things which Herod had done. So John is now in the presence of Herod, who has some kind of power over John, right? By way of, uh, you know, worldly authority. And John says, oh, by the way, let me talk to you about all of your evil and your personal wickedness and let me tell you where I want to start with that woman that you just married. How many of us would do that? <laughs> How many of us would have that kind of, I mean, what he doesn't do is he doesn't plead uh, for release. Turn to Matthew, please, chapter 6, or Mark 6, rather. He doesn't plead for his release. He doesn't, he doesn't say, look, look, if we, you like the message, I'm just telling you the message. He doesn't explain it. He just tells them like it is. Mark chapter 6, if you will, over in verse 17. The gospel goes on to tell us about John's message. But when Herod heard of it, he kept saying, John, whom I beheaded, has risen. Sorry for not giving you the context, but let me tell you what happened. Say what, what's going on. Let me, let me read verse 17 and 18 first. For Herod himself has sent, and John arrested and bound him in prison on account of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip, because... He had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So John's preaching, and, 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 and John, they're thinking it's Jesus, and they're saying, wait, it's not Jesus. It's, wait, John's preaching, and it's, it's Elijah who's risen. It's, it's, who is John? Right there. The questions and the confusion. And John had been saying to this man who fell in love with his half-brother's wife, Herodias, convinced him to divorce, or convinced her to divorce him. Then once they were divorced, he divorced his wife and married her. And then John comes along and says, uh-uh-uh, you can't do that. And when he does that, um, Herodias becomes really in, in, you know, infuriated at John and says, in order for us to maintain this marriage, we've got to get rid of John. 
And what a, what a grotesque scene it is when you read about the message that's in her heart. What's in her heart? What's in this young lady? Old, what's, what's, what's in her heart? Go back to verse 12. And they went out and preached that men should repent. And they were casting out many demons and were anointing with oil many sick people and healing them. So here Jesus the Nazareth sends his, sends his 12 out and they're out doing the work of God. And King Herod, verse 14, hears of this. He heard of it for his name had become well known. And people were saying, John the Baptist has risen from the dead. And that is why these miraculous powers are at work in Jesus. Right? And, but others were saying, he's Elijah. And others were saying, he's a prophet like one of the prophets of old. Remember when Jesus is on the cross and they say, maybe uh, he's calling for Elijah. Elijah, no one's forgotten Elijah the prophet. It would be a good study to go back and study the character of Elijah the prophet. And now the Elijah to come in John. But when Herod heard of it, he kept saying, John, whom I beheaded, has risen. Skip down to verse 20, please. For Herod was afraid of John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man and kept him safe. And when he heard, he was very perplexed, but he used to enjoy listening to him. So here's this, here's this man that you know is a righteous man and a holy man, and you're afraid of him. You know, the Bible talks about those kingdoms. Do you guys realize how much power we have? Right? Just, just, just by being righteous and holy, people recognize you because they recognize that God is in you, right? And when you say things like, well, we're just praying about it. They, they may not understand everything about prayer, but, you know, the unrighteous will come to you and ask you to pray for them because they know you have a connection with God. But you have to be seen as being different, recognizably different, so they can recognize that you are with God. John loved listening to what, or Herod rather, loved listening to what John had to say, wasn't necessarily practicing it, but he loved listening to what he had to say. But his new wife doesn't like it. So verse 18, but John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death and could not do so. See, because the man was righteous and the man was holy and the man through his righteousness and holiness and the fear of other people, she had no authority, she had no power. But she wanted him dead and sought an opportunity. So here's the wickedness of the world, right? Looking for a strategic opportunity to get rid of the message of God. But you know the message of God never goes away. It's always here, right? It's always, it's always going to be here. As long as we're on the earth, it will forever be here. And yet she struggled with the message of John. She didn't want to hear it any longer. So skip down, please, if you will, to verse 21. And a strategic day came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his lords and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. And when the daughter of Herodias herself came in and danced, she pleased Herod 
and his dinner guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you want, and I will give it to you. And he swore to her, Whatever you ask of me, I will give it to you up to half of my kingdom. And you've read this before, right? And, and what, what, a, what, what an amazing society of people that you're promised up to half of the kingdom and, and you can have anything you want. And instead of asking for what they loved, the gold and the silver, this wicked and evil generation, that's what Jesus called them, a lady said, I want you to behead a man and bring his head to me on a, on a platter. Now how sickening, you know, how sickening they must have been in that day. Right? Just, what a much better we are. And we're not that, at the right time, Christ came and died for the godly. Now you see that, right? See the picture now? At the right time. Because in that day, in that time, they could do such sickening things. And it was okay for them to do those kinds of things because they had that power, if you will, and that authority. In verse 24, And she went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And immediately she came in haste before the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me right away the head of John the Baptist." On a platter. What kind of man was John? A holy and a righteous man. Shouldn't you say, you know, wait, what's wrong with you? I mean, I know I made a promise, but what's wrong with you, right? No, he doesn't, that's not what happens, not in this day. And although the king was very sorry, yet because of his oaths and because of his dinner guests, he was unwilling to refuse her. Now, now wait for a minute, just please. Allow me. What was John preaching to Herod about? All of his wickedness and evil. <laughs> and now all of a sudden he's going to be a righteous man. I'm going to keep my word. You've never kept your word. <laughs> right? You've always been wicked and evil. And now this holy and righteous man because of. Watch out for sexual pleasure and sin, brother. And get you. And although the king was very sorry. And yet because of his oaths. And because of his dinner guest, he was unwilling to refuse her. And immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded him to bring back his head. And he went and had him beheaded in the prison. And brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. And when the disciples heard about this, they came and took away his body and laid it in a tomb. And the Bible tells us later, let's turn to Matthew 11, that Jesus at this point, when he heard about this, went off to a place, a solitary place, to pray. He wasn't praying for John. He already knew where John was. He just knew he was next. So here's a question. When standing in the, in the face of this kind of danger, um, where are your brethren? You know, when Jesus was dying on the cross or when they were carrying him after they had, had 
have flogged him, scourged him, spit on him, beat him, and brought him out as a just terrible display of wickedness and evil, presented him to the people. No, nobody ran up there and said, stop, because we fear for what? Our own lives. Sometimes, brother, I think we have to be bold enough to say stop. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says in verse, in verse 11, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Who was John the Baptist? All this information we still don't know because God has chosen not to reveal it to us. A good place to start. I'm closing this out. Mark chapter 1. You're studying with someone in the world and want to know about salvation. A place to start. Start before the Christian dispensation. Go back to John. You ask the question, Mark chapter 1 and verse 4, why was John baptizing? John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. What was the purpose of baptism for John? You can start asking those same questions about baptism in regards to John that we would ask about a person coming to Christ. We'd ask, where was the transformation or the change from John's baptism for the remission of sins to Jesus' baptism for the remission of sins to maybe today our belief and understanding of how sins are removed? You can go back to John. It's a good place to start. John the Baptist and his work, John the Immerser, and his work for God. And in Matthew 28 and verse 19, the Great Commission, as God spoke to the apostles, and even as we grab an understanding of this verse, in verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then you can take them back to Mark 1 and verse 4 and say, Why was John baptizing? And here he's baptizing again. Is there some kind of significance between the two? John prepared the way, and Jesus is the way. And then finally, verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I command you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. What a, what a fascinating individual, the man who prepared the way for Jesus. And next week, Lord willing, we get to look at Zechariah and all the, not all of them, because we don't have time, but the many things that Zechariah says about Jesus over and over and over and over again. And the question I ask myself continually is, do I get it yet? Do I get it yet, Lord? Open my eyes. Help me to see because I know there's something I'm missing. I want more. More knowledge, right? More understanding. More wisdom that will help me in helping you. Will help me and strengthen my faith to help me to get to heaven. To help me to please our God. Right? Nice to get there. A lifetime to get there. Tonight, the lesson is yours. I hope and pray something was said to encourage you in your walk of faith with Jesus. Live for Jesus. Love Jesus. Honor Jesus. And allow him to be the one who leads you all the way. If you have a need this evening, whether it be to surrender to Christ in the waters of baptism, or if you would like prayers made on your behalf, whatever it may be, if we can help in any way, please come. While together we stand and sing our song of invitation.
Yeah.